Hello again. Welcome to Tell Me. On today's episode of Tell Me, I am sitting with, I know I say this every episode, one of my favorite people, but it's kind of true. I have a lot of favorite people. I don't know what to tell you. But John Carabino is my manager and I love him. And he gives me the best advice and keeps me going on days when I can't get up. And he's so much fun. I am one of my favorite people too. (laughs) I love him so much. This conversation is going to be a blast. I hope you enjoy this episode of Tell Me. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, so I'm sitting here with, I could describe you as something you describe yourself as a walking cocktail party. I agree. (laughs) So everybody needs people in their life who lift them up and keep them going. And for me, one of those people is John Carabino. I'm lucky enough to call him my manager. Hello. Hello. John is one of the most positive people, has an incredible story. He's been in Hollywood his whole entire life, knows every single secret everywhere. (laughs) So I'm so happy and excited to have you here today, John. I'm so excited to be here and I'm grateful to be here. So thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. I want to start by thanking you for a couple things. Okay. And this is not going to be about why I adore Ellen Pompeo. I'm going to be why I respect (laughs) Ellen. Pompeo today. I've had the pleasure and the privilege of representing you for a long time and seeing you ascertain your level of power that you truly deserve. And I've also seen you do such great things with your power in the way of inspiring, allowing other people to dream even bigger, all the components that go into the success of what we're allowed to do. And you've done it well, you've done it humbly, and you've done it incredibly tastefully. I've had the pleasure of listening to every one of your podcasts from the very beginning. And what I'm most impressed by is the stories of the people, the commonality of which you have struck these people who all have been at a certain point in their life, some in a better place, some in a worse place, but they dug deep within themselves to find out what the cocktail is they need to go deeper or to live their dream. So for any young actor out there, male or female, do yourself a major favor and listen to what she spoke to Kate Walsh about because you hit upon the most important parts of being young, of being curious, of being scared, having a dream, but also believing enough in yourself to stay connected to that dream. And as a result of that, your hard work, your dedication, your sacrifice, because success comes with enormous amounts of sacrifice. I always say like the Michael Jordans, the Kobe Bryants, the Serena Williams, those people are number one in the world for a reason. They gave up a lot along the way to become the best of what they did. So back to you. I've loved watching you interview these people. It's inspired me because everyone's got a fabulous story. So thank you. 
Thank you, John. You see why he's my manager? He's the best. But John has like gems, you know, especially when I'm frustrated, I call John because I know that John is going to drop some wisdom on me. He has the gift of being raised by a beautiful mother. And she gifted John with so much wisdom. To your point of Serena Williams and all of these people, there are sacrifices that people have to give up to get to the level where they are. Pain and sacrifice is part of it. It's a fine line. But I also think in success, it makes people look inward like, why not me? And the answer is whatever magic you brought that day and the genius of Rick Kurtzman setting you up with Shonda on a pilot, because we all read the pilot, it was brilliant words. It was undeniably a brilliant script. And sometimes brilliant scripts don't always translate to brilliant series. But whatever the alchemy that you guys have created, the result speaks for itself. It's a sustaining show that has triggered hundreds of millions of people with this incredible loyalty and love for these stories. So when you sit back and you realize that, you know, the show is called Grey's Anatomy, you're Meredith Grey, and the network and everything collides in the best sense of the word. The show becomes the zeitgeist global hit that it's been for a long time and will continue to be. You get singled out. With that comes success, and with that comes a lot of other things. But I've been blessed to have a lot of other successful shows. I always say to the client, are you prepared to be unpopular? Because there is going to come a time the people that you thought were your friends or friendly with will be uncomfortable, and they're not going to freeze you out, but there's going to be a shift in the relationship. And I think that's because you sit back and you realize, hmm, well, I'm also on the same show. I do this, but I'm not being approached the same way or I'm not being taken care of the same way. At the end of the day, I bless my father for always sharing this with me. It's called a business. And there's a very famous line from Jerry Maguire. It ain't called show friends. It's called show business. Those are the fringe benefits of what we do. That is what appears to the outside world as the cool factor. But in its own right, that brings a whole level of anxieties of like, oh, my God, I'm opening myself up to some sort of criticism. I think something that's important to mention is the team around you, regardless of what you do for a living, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people want to say, well, I make all my decisions and I don't want to do this and I don't... I've said so many times, I mean, it's been famously said and written a hundred times, you know, I didn't like medical shows and it would give me anxiety and I don't want to do a medical show. I had the sense to listen to other people. That's a talent though. And that's a strength. For young people or for any people, especially at your level, John, you're representing people who have won Oscars and all of these things. Everybody who's, I think, really successful in the business portion of show business or in life in general. Obama's famous for this, too. Team of rivals, right? Lincoln had a team of rivals. You want people around you who are going to disagree with you and who are going to tell you, like you always say to me, let me tell you why you're wrong. As much as this guy gasses me up and I love him for it, he will also be the first one to say, let me tell you why you're wrong. And I can't really emphasize enough how important that is to have people around you. My agent, Rick Kurtzman, you know, I don't want to do television. I'll be miserable on a show for six years. How ridiculous is that, that I said that? I was 33 years old or 32 years old when I said that. And I really believed it. And it turned out to be the greatest thing in my life. But because I was open-minded enough to know that I didn't know everything. And I always make the joke now that I'm 52. The beauty about being in your 50s is you think you know everything. But I really do say that in jest. Because the truth is, smart people know that they don't know everything. But if you surround yourself with super smart people and you have the intelligence to listen to people around you, then you're going to be successful. I totally agree. And I think what you've done really well is establishing a support system 
that not only you respect, that you welcome our opinions and you appreciate that we may have different opinions or may have the same opinion. Sometimes, you know, renegotiation can be complicated because there's so many different sides and there's so many different agendas. And I've been blessed to work with Rick as well as with Steve and Gretchen, who are two of the best in what they do. But it starts with you because you've allowed us to speak on your behalf. But the way we've collectively done that, again, with Amanda and Kate Rosen, the single focus is making sure that you get everything you want and everything you deserve and everything you need. But you're also very generous about making sure that it's not about vanity. It's about the totality of the experience of where you're going to be on the show. You look out for the other people. And I think the thing I love most about your team is everyone's a human being. They have the same wants and needs. They believe in the humanity of what we do. They believe in the kindness of what we do. They lead with an intelligence and a compassion, but also a strength. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The other thing that's super important to mention is fun and the joy of what we do and being able to take situations that can very easily be seen as stressful. Right. It's so easy for your neurons to fire down the stress road, which mine always do. But to remember that every opportunity, even challenges, is an opportunity to learn and grow. And the joy of what we do, the fun of what we do, negotiations are challenging for so many different reasons. But at the end of the day, it's the business that we're in. Like you said, it's a business and it should be fun. Negotiating should be fun for us. You know this because we're very good about sharing information with you. But a certain person that used to work in business affairs there Uh, reaches uh, out to us after the fact and says, congratulations, like we all survived it. And that's, to me, the ultimate compliment. We all got in there and we all fought and we did what we had to do. But to have somebody on the other side say, you know what, is a fair battle, congratulations, and we all got what we needed to get out of this. That, to me, is like, again, the guardian angel. I'll never forget. I was blessed to have the experience on Jerry Maguire, and I was very new in the business. And there was a woman named Jamie Geller Hotoff. She worked on the publicity side of the movie. I was greener than green. I mean, I had the ambition. I had the belief when I read something. I knew how to pursue it to get the job. But I didn't understand the inner workings of a studio system, the marketing program, the media buys. I knew none of that. And I didn't proclaim to ever say that I didn't know any of it. And one day I got a call from this woman, Jamie, who I love to this day. And wherever she is, I hope she's happy and great because she deserves it. But she called me. She goes, I'm going to invite you to a couple meetings because, you know, there's things that you need to know that will be advantageous for your clients and for you because you're so new. And I went and sat in some of those marketing meetings. And first, of all, I was blown away by the genius of Tom Cruise's sister. His sister, Leanne, is one of the most intelligent, savvy people I've ever met when it came to the marketing of it all. And we were sitting around this room and she was reading the media buys. I did not know what those were, but I couldn't ask that question because I wanted to pretend I knew more than I did. So I learned then it pays benefits to listen a lot. So I sat back in the conference room with my pencil and my yellow pad like everyone else had. I took pen to paper and in a very kind of tactile way, started about my own process, my own journey of learning. But had I not been invited by Jamie into that experience, I would have learned any of it. Everything's amino acid, like relationships, all that leads to something else, which builds something else, which creates something else. And I just have profound gratitude that she, out of the clear blue, called me one day, said, would you like to come to this meeting? You got to be open to a lot of stuff. 
And I always say this, and there was a woman in town named Stacy Snyder, who is one of the greatest executives, one of the greatest leaders of all time. She ran Universal. She ran TriStar. She's partners at DreamWorks. She's just outstanding and makes every experience better. And she had a great phrase that I'll never forget. Because sometimes, you know, there's certain movies or certain TV shows you think for sure hits and they realize they're not working. And one day we're talking about something. She goes, you know what? We all thought that one was going to be a layup and it wasn't. And I thought, what a great analogy, because in basketball, the greatest thing is a layup. And I thought, yeah. And in that moment, I realized, okay, no one has the answer to anything. I just think if you're in it, you're committed to it, and you believe in it, you just have to surrender and trust it's going to be whatever it's going to be. Some days you're surprised. Some days you're not surprised. But I think overall, the landscape tends to be pretty fair. How did you realize that you wanted to be a manager? And I want to preface, in this town, management has changed a tremendous amount. Yes. Okay? John is like an old school manager. I have a flip phone. Yes, he has a flip phone. I use a flip phone. And there used to be, you know, managers and agents. Now it's a lot of management companies mm-hmm. where a manager really should be a very personal relationship that Hands helps down. guide you, helps talk you through things, helps you make decisions. And has time for you. You know you're a part Priority, you know, when you call, that person on the other end waiting for you and will take your call. I've never believed in more is more. I believe whatever works, works. But it's a really common question in the representation business to say, like, oh, who are you going after? Who are you excited about? And there's a very famous line. Renee did a movie with Meryl Streep called One True Thing. And there was a line in the movie where Meryl Streep, she was dying of cancer. And she said to Renee, who played her daughter, who was very complicated. She said, it's just so much easier to love what you have, you know, and stop wanting things that you don't have. That loop plays in my head because I'm so grateful and so blessed to have who I have and I love who I have that I don't think for one more second that I always need to be in the hunt for whatever that next thing is. Because if you focus on who you have and if you believe in who you have, love unconditionally who you have and you're a fan of who you have, that takes up so much of your heart space. And to be effective at what I do and what we all do in the represent, you've got to have that added component of the passion. And it's like, I don't know how you go from like selling one to the next, to the next, to the next. You're all unique and special in your own way. And the only thing that really gets me irritated in what I do is like when I know I'm right and the buyers are wrong. It's like, no, no, you're going to want my person for the following 15 reasons. And then I'm going another way. You see the movie, it's a disaster. I have no problem calling saying, told you so, because I know I'm right. When I'm connected to something enough and I feel that deeply, I'm going to be relentless. And there's sometimes I've had to call people and say, you were wrong and I was right. Yeah. I mean, it's challenging right now for, I think, young actors, because the truth is, is now management, they're like these big companies. Yeah. And these managers represent so many people and the management just isn't as personal. And I don't think that these young actors are getting the attention that someone like you gives them. And the business has changed so much and not to the advantage of the actors. Well, I also think, again, people like Rick and people we all worked with, we trained in a different generation. We didn't have Google. We didn't have Wikipedia. We didn't have all these things that with the press of one button, it happened. I know when I trained, I trained on a woman named Tracy Jacob, who was an agent at ICM, taught me truly the most important thing you can do is read. She is and was a voracious reader and was an incredible advocate of great material. And I single-handedly watched her navigate and create Johnny Depp getting Edward Scissorhands. When the whole town said he was never going to get it, she was like, "Uh uh-huh. And when I systematically watched from where she started to where she ended up, I learned a lot in observing that process to go into parts of my career. But literally, it started with the work. I mean, I remember when we were trainees at ICM, we had to work on Saturday mornings at 7.30. We had to walk in, whether bring coffee, someone had to bring donuts or muffins, and we processed the mail. 
Then we had to go upstairs and do coverage, which is where you read a script, all of that a typewriter, you typed out the coverage, and then you had to go downstairs and Xerox the coverage and then put in the individual mailboxes for the people in your department. So in that process, there's an enormous discipline that you learn. Not only is there a discipline, but there's an education to what you experience. And again, I'm so grateful for the collective experience because I met so many extraordinary people along the way, and we've all ascended together, whether it be like Mary Parent, whether it be Scott Stuber. We all started out together. Such great people who've become extraordinary executives or had studios or producers. But like when you have a common experience of starting out together, the bare bones of it all, it creates a fiber that's undeniable. So when you're giving up your Saturday afternoon or your Sunday afternoon and you're pissed because it's like a beautiful L.A. Saturday day out and you want to go to the beach or you want to play tennis, you just want to hang out with your friends. And you're like, I can't. I'm going to be downstairs in the dungeon Xeroxing stuff. Again, if you love it enough what you do, it's the sacrifice of becoming successful. So you grew up in Los Angeles. I did. How did you decide that you wanted to be a manager? My family's not in the entertainment business. My father is an investment banker. Obviously, I grew up in L.A. and I went to school with a lot of kids who are in the entertainment business or their dad's in the entertainment business or there were famous people in our neighborhood. But again, because I wasn't exposed to that at the dinner table, I was a fan. I was always a fan of that kind of process of the business. And then so when I graduated from college, I traveled around the world, came back. And then a very close friend of mine happened to know someone who was an agent, said, you should come by and meet this guy. And the guy was really funny, but I didn't really know what he did. So my friend sat me down with this guy, and I literally thought he meant travel agent. He's like, you're not being an agent. And I got like, well, you know, I don't know if my dad really wants me to be a travel agent. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, well, this is what I do for a living. And I was like, well, okay, if you think of it, if there's a job opening or anyone, you know anyone, well, ironically, I get a call a couple of days later from the head of personnel at ICM saying, you've been recommended, would you like to come in for an interview? And I was like, sure. And I remember I showed up there and this woman was lovely. Her name was Gloria Kennedy, just attractive in every sense of the word, kind calm, lovely. And she allowed me to be green enough and open enough to be like, I don't really know much about this, but I do know if you give me a chance, I'll probably deliver, you know? And she's like, there's a couple people I think you should know about. There's a couple of people that are looking. And we went through the list, talked about Tracy Jacobs. She kind of gave me a breakdown of who she was representing, what she did. I said, well, she sounds interesting. So she set up a job interview with she and I, and I ended up getting the job. It was just that thing of like a guardian angel. You took advantages of opportunities. I was open. Yeah. Because at that point, when you're 23 or 24, you're like, well, I have nothing on the docket right now. So why don't I go try it? It was just so funny because, you know, I don't pride myself on being technologically inferior, but I'm technologically inferior. And the old days, we all had to work off an old-fashioned typewriter. And they were making the transition to the, remember those massive, huge computers that were so big? And you always had to give up your lunch break to take these classes. I'm like, I'm not giving up my lunch break. <laughs> so I made it work for 18 months with an old-fashioned typewriter. With the ribbons that would run out, we had to go find new ribbons. I remember the ribbons. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And again, I want to thank all the people that I was assistants and trainees with because we helped each other out. There were days it's like we had to cover each other's phones. We had to go help each other Xerox. We did whatever we did to help each other get through it. I'm friends with a lot of these people to this day. And there's so many necessary moments and lessons in that grunt work that you have to do. You know, like with doctors, they make them do scut or they make them work in the pit or they yeah. work in the emergency room because all of those little menial things that you have to do, there's so many lessons in all of that stuff. 
nowadays, I think social media glamorizes like everyone's a CEO, everyone's a boss, everyone wants to own their own company. It's like, yeah, okay. You all have absolutely no idea how hard that actually is, how much money it actually costs to do that. It's such a false representation. By doing the discipline that we had to do and the lessons that we had to do, it teaches you the practicalities. Right. And practicalities are a great thing, especially in the bigger picture. If you are starting a company or you are going to be entrepreneurial and breakout, you know, you listen to your conversation with Cindy Crawford and what she did with Meaningful Beauty and what it became. You're just like, oh, my God. But it's like she was so practical in her explanation of took advantage of every one of her situations, being the top model in the world, now becoming one of the biggest entrepreneurs in the world. She learned and she was able to apply a lot of what she learned from past things to where she is today. And that's what I say to people. It's like everyone's in a rush and everyone is always in this position where they have to be number one now. And it's like, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the process. And you have to trust it. Some days there may not be signs, but I think if you sit back and look at the collective, there are a lot of signs that lead you in a certain path about what you're going to do. And it'll ultimately reveal itself why versus why not. And I say that's the pleasure of getting older. The older you get, you realize the why versus why not. Yeah, you have to try to strike a balance between growth and challenging yourself and trying new things and being able to fail and then being okay with just doing the day-to-day too. Of course. Every moment can't be growth, change, growth, change. That's not sustainable. You have to sort of have peaks and valleys. 100%. You have to be okay with the valleys and not always trying to chase a peak. And I'll say it's okay to be not comfortable in the valleys, but also you understand working yourself out of something Again, the theme of a lot of the people that you've interviewed, it's like certain crossroads or a certain thing or they felt their path was going in the wrong direction. They all took the time to sit back and assess where they were. And you look at the characteristics of the very successful people, they had to take the time to sit back and assess where they are. In positivity, always, I speak so much about it on this podcast with everybody because it's such a theme that runs with everybody. I don't care who it is. All successful people are so positive. They see the potential in things. I think Kris Jenner, another one of your friends. Her and the family have nothing but kindness. They're the loveliest, kindest, most generous. Her level of kindness, her level of compassion, and her ability to love is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. That's one of my favorite things about her. And it reflects in her children. Her mother is one of the loveliest people you've ever met. But the kids are kind to everybody. And one of my favorite things about that family is with the global success that they've all achieved, they're as connected to the people they grew up with, their friends from grammar school, watching Kim be friends with all friends or Chloe or Courtney, all of them. They are as connected to their friends from grammar school and high school that they are some of the famous people. And they are so grateful for the success they've achieved. But, you know, there's a reason they put a lot into it. They get a lot out of it. They're very decent people. Growing up in L.A., you've known all these people before they were famous, watched their rise. And so there's so much happening in the movie business right now. Obviously, you're going to find the optimism in everything. But it's pretty crazy what's happened to movies. There are not as many movie stars. But remember, it's a business with dollars and cents. What you put out, how much you get back, all that profits, losses, all that. And it's always a cyclical formula. Right now, they're going to invest a lot of money in the tent poles. And whether it be the prequels to the tent poles, the sequels to the tent poles, the origin stories, the evolutions, there's a built-in brand and an awareness. And globally, that is so important. And again, Grey's Anatomy is a global title. That's a very rarefied era. Not many shows get that experience to become that level. So you see where there's so much money and currency being made off that and can foster so many other opportunities as a result of one success. So the movie business 
Hopefully it'll change. There's some unbelievably gorgeous movies right now. But what's giving way is the Batman is going to do a billion. Spider-Man's going to do a billion, whatever. We need that. Thank God for those success stories, because that allows them to make incredible movies down the road. You know, what's really important for artists is the balance between art and commerce. Mm -hmm. Actors, especially when you're young, you really, really want to do art. And you really just want to do important things and you want to do Oscar-nominated movies. And there's sort of no thought, really, about the commerce of it because you want to be taken seriously. Because when you're so hell-bent on just being an artist, if you don't get those chances, then you artiste yourself right out of a career. So whatever kind of artist you are, Making money isn't a bad thing. Right. I think it's really important for any actor to be in love with the stories that they're going to tell. And I always say this, especially during pilot season, which can be a very exhausting, draining, humbling at times. Is pilot season still a thing because of streaming? It's now you get to audition year round. Right. It's not necessarily from January to March or April, but they're still the traditional in the broadcast. They're still doing things from January to April. And say this to every actor, young or old, find the story or find the part that you connect to that is undeniable, that only you can tell. When you read something, you'll have that ownership. There are just certain things you see the connection and the power and the nuance in a performance that they're telling the truth. They're so connected to it that they're living the truth in all this. You know, you don't have to be a doctor on a Monday, a fireman on a Tuesday, a stockbroker on a Wednesday, and on Thursday, they're going to ask you to be in jail. Of those four, which one is the one that you love that if you didn't get, you'd feel the sadness by not getting it? That's when you need to go for because chances are whether you get the job or not, you'll leave the impression in the room and the impression leads to something else which leads to the job. And I totally believe that. Yeah, I do too. You've been in those rooms. You know when you've hit it. Yeah. And when you haven't gotten it, you're like, oh, damn. But you hitting it has led to five people hearing about how great you were that day. And that's the amino acid and the connective tissue and the trust. If you're talented and you know you've done your job in the room, you know you've told the truth, leave. Leave them wanting more. And chances are you're going to get three of the next five jobs. Right. And behave. Because when you don't behave, people know it. Be professional. Yeah, people know it. Be polite. Say thank you and please. You may think you're amazing. You may think you're a diva. You may think you're the most brilliant thing ever. Nobody cares. Yeah. I had this conversation with Bo Nelson. And we talked about humility. We talked about celebrating yourselves. John and I were both raised Irish, Italian, there you go. Catholic. We like carbohydrates, but Ellen's much more disciplined about it than I am. <laughs> a special breed we are. And it's funny because there's so much, again, in our culture about celebrate yourself, celebrate yourself, celebrate your wins. Yes, celebrate yourself. There is value in that. Mm-hmm. But there's also value in humility. Of course. There's also value in just putting my head down and going to work and putting my head down and just doing That's the work. That's the joy. It's creating the magic in those scenes. Yeah. And can I keep doing it this long? It's challenging for sure. But there's something freeing about not always chasing, trying to be the hottest thing, trying to get the hottest movie, trying to get the hottest show, trying to get on a magazine cover, trying to get attention. There's something so freeing about not giving a fuck. Sometimes it's just easier to love what you have. Yeah, I'm also not good at asking people for things. I don't like to ask anyone for anything. I'm in a position on the show where I don't have to ask people for things, so I like that. Yeah, there's a lot of wonderful things that come with being number one on a call sheet. Mm -hmm. But again, you've spent how many years there? You've earned the respect of your peers for that reason. How did you two meet? First time I saw her at an award show, and she had the greatest hairdo I'd ever seen. It was kind of like tucked under. And you're being photographed. I think it was one of your Versace dresses. And it was just unbelievable, your charisma and how you owned yourself on that carpet. Because those carpets are daunting. 
I'm going to tell a funny story. I'm going to tell the opposite side to that story, uh, right? Here's where the perspective is sure. super interesting. Now, if it's the hairdo that was tucked under yes. that I think that was a Valentino dress. Was it like a grayish something? It was white. Okay. Unless... It could be a different red carpet, right? But one time I had my hair tucked under. I had a white Valentino lace dress. I'm pretty sure it was like the first year at maybe the Golden Globes. Something like that, or yeah. Or something. And the dress was very sort of 20s. Mm-hmm. And I wanted like a very 20s hairstyle. So I had like a Marcel wave. Right. And they tucked my hair under to make yeah. it look like a bob. Right. So I was so excited, so happy to be there. And I loved that dress so much. I loved my look, but my hair kept falling out. There were a few strands straggling out. And the next day, the press, I was like not on a good list. And here I am having the moment of my life thinking it's so amazing and so excited and happy to be there and proud of myself and all of that. And then the next day, the press was kind of brutal to me. I got like a hair fail on, you know, whatever those lists Mm -hmm. are. And I look back now at that picture. I looked gorgeous. I'm sure you did. And there was like nothing wrong with the way I looked. But again... Back then, especially, media has to be a little bit more careful of beating women up. Now they'll get called out for it much quicker. That's one of the genius things about Mm -hmm. what's happening in our culture is people can't get away with abusing women publicly the way they always did. Right. But if it was that same time, that's my memory of that look and that red carpet. And that's a story that I know all so well from male sides as well as female sides. But I will say this. My response is. You were there. You were invited. They're not. They're commentating on you who's been invited to be there because you're successful or you've done the work or your show got nominated or whatever it is. You're there for the right reason. And you're not sitting about commentating. You're participating. Yeah. Young people like know how gorgeous you are. It's okay to make mistakes. Yeah. And know how gorgeous and beautiful you are. And don't let anybody tell you But if you, you walk out that door and you're feeling like I'm hot, I look great, I feel great, I'm floating, that's good enough. If you put that on and you zipped it up, you feel like I am a 12 right now. (laughs) And again, the business and what we're allowed to do and work the highest level that we're allowed to work at, it's all a dream anyway. It's beyond fascinating and the lifestyle and what comes with it and the creative people that you get to be surrounded by. There's nothing more kind of exciting than being around that kind of genius. And I always say madness fuels genius. And a lot of the people are kind of otherworldly interesting. Some may be profoundly sensitive, but what comes from them is such beauty in terms of their art and their expression that it makes the job exciting. And the icing on the cake is after an award show to go sit in those rooms at the private party around a table of people that really are the biggest tastemakers in the business, whether it be the best writers, the best directors, the best whatever. It's fascinating. You can't script that and you can't set that table. It just happens the way that it does by the shared community and the shared experience of success. It is and not enough can be said about it's one thing to get there and it's another thing to stay there. Staying there is hard. Yeah. Staying there requires a commitment and it requires a truth. And some seasons are never going to be perfect seasons. You may have a great season. You may have another season where the characters, eh. But overall, the experience of staying there and being in that world and being surrounded by a certain level of greatness, it's incredible. It's a great job and it's a great lifestyle and it's provide unbelievable opportunities for whether it be your immediate family or friends of yours or the people you work with on the show. I don't think it's a bad day. Yeah, no, for you as well. I mean, to stay in this business and do what you do and how drastically this business has changed. You are like a steady ship in the night. You know, continue to be successful. Your clients continue to be successful. At the end of the day, I thank Tracy Jacobs again. You got to do the reading. And believe me, there's so many Sundays, you know, 
I'm in my late 50s right now, and I still have that thing of like, uh-oh, I got to go. I got to go home and read. <laughs> and it's noon. And it's like there's nine, ten peak hours to go do something. And you're sitting there, but you read that one or two things. It's like the jewel. You're like, wow, this is kind of gorgeous and brilliant. Right. And every Sunday, if you leave the Beverly Hills Hotel brunch. I'll see half our cast members there. <laughs> They're all there. To read, it's kind of like waiting for that diamond in the rough. By four o'clock, if you found the gem. You go to dinner with a friend of yours and you share it. To know that that stuff is still out there. Uh, I mean, a lot of times with everything that's going on in the world, at the end of the day, it really is art that gets us through these times. I think at the end of the day, and this is an homage to my mom, my mom always had that ability to be kind to everyone. And I think we're in a city right now that's experiencing a lot of levels of complication. I think we all as people, and it's not a random act of kindness because I think it sounds a little gimmicky. I think if we're just show kindness towards each other and compassion, and now more than ever because of COVID and what people have gone through, there's a lot of sad people. There's a lot of hurt people. There's a lot of lonely people. But I stopped right before I came here at this unbelievable donut store. Kettle glazed. Kettle glazed donuts are the best donuts I've ever had in my life. They really are. And I give Ellen Pompeo full credit for this. She told me about them. <laughs> so I now stop on the way and pick up donuts for her. But the people that work in there are the kindest, loveliest. And it's like their tip jar overflows for a reason. You want to contribute to them because they bring such authentic goodness to everyone. From the moment you walk in there to the moment you leave, you're the most important person. They're polite. They're really conversational. And they make your day better. And at 8.15 in the morning, it puts you in a good place. But you can see they're living their truth. They're living their goodness. And I think we need more of that. We need people to be able to afford to live in big cities. Yes. I just think we should all take the time to just, if we can help someone out, it doesn't take much. Just contribute and just know within yourself you're doing something to make it a better day for somebody else. It's the ones who are going through that complicated period that may not appear obvious to you. That's why I would say take three to five minutes and just say to someone, thank you or please, or hold the door open. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a big deal. Yeah, make your life I mean, meaningful. And that's what COVID taught me. It taught me to sit still and be present. And being in the moment allowed me gratitude for things I didn't spend time on. Thank you for letting me share my story. And sharing it reminds me how lucky I am to do what I do and to be affiliated with whom I'm affiliated with. I hope to be able to do this for a lot longer because I enjoy the contribution. I enjoy the conversation. I enjoy the learning. And I'm still learning. They always say, like, you should stop doing it when you feel like you're not learning anymore. I'm always learning new things. And I thank Rick Kurtzman for that. I thank for sure Gretchen Rush and Steve Warren for that. They are so great in their opinions. They're so great with their points of view. And I think because of that, it has inspired me to be that much better. Mm -hmm. And I thank Laura Holstein, who's your partner in all this. You guys have done a great job. And I just say to people, continue to listen to what she's saying and doing and having on. Because the commonality is these are people who have figured out, A, to believe in themselves, which is very powerful, but then to figure out where they are in their life to make it a better world for themselves and everybody else. And that's power. Thank you, John. I will keep doing it forever if you have me. <laughs> any aspiring actors out there or any actors who are in the business, if you're listening to this, get yourself a manager with as much conviction and passion and point of view and things to say as John Carabino. And also have your own opinion. I always ask my clients, what do you think? Uh -huh, yep. It's like, I know what I think, but what do you think? I'm not the one who has to leave my home, go on location and leave behind things to be somewhere for four and a half months. That in its own right can be very daunting. Make sure you have someone who will hear your wants and needs. That's what it's about. Amazing. Thank you. Mm -hmm.